Man, I love that. Never gets old. Churches, let's hear it again. Isn't that exciting? Lives changing, eternity shaping right there. Man, that's beautiful. Hey, I am so glad that you are joining us today. I know we've got some people on campus right now. Uh, We had some first service. I know we've got some this service that you are here for the first time because you joined us at Fall Fest yesterday. And we're just glad that you're here with us today. We're glad that you joined us yesterday. Welcome to OCC. We love you. The whole reason we do what we do is because we love you, because Jesus loves us. Uh, But before we get into the message today, I want to invite you to take part, to use a new tool that we're providing you. Because here at OCC, we believe uh, that God's word is powerful for all areas of life. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. In fact, Even more, it shows us who God is, shows us the path to him, and helps us find God and follow him. And so that's why here at OCC, we lean on God's word as the foundation and backbone of every sermon we preach, every lesson we teach, because we know, we know that when God's word is communicated in ways that make it easy for us to understand, when God's word is communicated in ways that are relatable to our daily lives, and that when we put God's word into practice in our life, that we unleash the power of God to transform our lives, and that God does something beautiful, and he uses us to change the world around us. And so to help our messages have a little more staying power with you, to help you connect with God's word in your life, we are inviting you to use a new tool. It's a Sermon Notes app. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't use my phone in church. Just give me a moment, get out your phone. I don't care who you are, everybody grab your phone. I want you to text the word notes to 502 289 1387, because we've got this new resource for you. And this is what you're going to find. You'll get a link to this. Also, if you have our OCC online connection, man, I should know the right words for it. It's a thing, it's the text you get every week if you're regular with us. Um, this is one of the buttons on there. And you'll find, and this will be morphing a little bit in the days to come, but you'll find this right here. And it's a chance to take notes during the message. And what you do is use that, take notes, and then you can save those notes. You can refer to them later in your daily devotion time. You can have a conversation with another person regarding what we talk about here. You can talk to your small group about what we cover on Sunday mornings. And as you scroll down, you'll see there's fill in the blanks. Uh, There's also a spot at the bottom where you can add all the notes to things that might not be uh, on the screen, but you want to take a note on something that happens during the service, maybe something else I say that's not in the notes. Um, You have a question that comes up, you want to ask me or one of the other um, uh, staff members here at the church, or maybe there's a song that really impacts you and you want to put that in your notes. Maybe the way we take communion sometimes is like, oh man, that was so meaningful. I want to put that in my notes, remember? And you can save those notes. And listen, for some of you, I know you're not like a note taker. And so as a former teacher, this is really hard for me to say, but there's a cheat for you where you can view it without the blanks already filled in for you. You can click on that and you'll get all the answers already, right? It's like the cheat sheet. And you can save those and refer to them later. So that's a resource we have for you. And here's why. Because when I'm, when I'm up here, here's my hope, is that all the talking I do up here gets you talking about the same things in your circle of friends, your circle of influence, your family, your household. We want this talk to be a talk that gets you talking 
about the right things. So that's why we do what we do. And I want to make that resource available to you. All right. Well, yesterday at Fall Fest, it was great because now I see some of you looking at your phones. That's okay. Uh, it's good. You can take notes there. It's all right to have your phone out in church. Uh, if you're joining us online, you actually don't necessarily need that because there's a tab up there for you to get the notes on the online chat space already. Well, yesterday at Fall Fest, uh, I loved seeing all the kids in costumes. I loved seeing everybody there. Um, I actually exercised an abnormal amount of self-control for myself, did not eat as much candy as I wanted to. I, I held back from that. I got a big sweet tooth, and I was trying to be good and let the kids have the candy. Um, but one of the things that's kind of fun, I, I saw uh, our new staff member, Anthony Dunning, is newer to us. He's been here for several months now. But he and his family uh, and their rooted group, any rooted peeps out there? All right, we got some rooted folks. Um, their rooted group, we're all lined up, each of them hosting different trunks at the trunk or treat. Uh, but the Dunnings were doing the, the Wizard of Oz theme. How many of you remember watching the Wizard of Oz when you were little? And watching it many times since then, right? The Wizard of Oz, it's a classic, right? Dorothy and her sweet little doggy Toto, they get swept away in a Kansas tornado and taken to a far off land, a land of wonder and excitement, but also a land fraught with danger and peril, complete with an enemy who's out to get them. And you remember what happens? They land there, Dorothy's looking around. She says to her sweet little doggy Toto, I fear we're what? Not in Kansas anymore. She says, I'd like to see the Anybody been to Kansas? Listen, if I got to choose between Oz and Kansas, I'm going with Oz, man. That just looks way more exciting. Kansas is not that great of a state. No, no offense if you're from there. I'm just saying Kentucky's better, all right? So, like, Kansas is the place you want to get back to. But the whole time then, she's trying to get back home, not so much because of the landscape, but because of the people there. She wants to get back to her peeps. She wants to get back home. She's trying to get back to Kansas. And so to get back to Kansas, there's only one way. She's got to follow the right path. And what's that path? The yellow brick road. You know it. You know it. And you know, for us, that's kind of a metaphor for where we are. In the beginning of time, God created everything, and he created it beautifully, wondrously, and perfectly. Everything was perfect. At the beginning of time, God created all of all of creation. And then he sets people in the places, the pinnacle of his creation. So this is a great and beautiful thing. And he says, all of this is yours. Enjoy it. Take care of it, but enjoy it. Here you go. And in that moment, everything's perfect. Relationships are perfect. Relationship between God and people, perfect. God walks in the garden with him in the stillness of the day. It sounds like a beautiful thing. Marriage relationship is perfect. When kids come along initially, that's perfect. Everything's perfect. There's no arguing, backbinding, fighting, no complaining about who's doing the dishes or how they're doing the dishes or what are we going to have to eat. I mean, the food is perfect, right? At the beginning, everything tasted like bacon and steak and lobster, and which really, lobster just tastes like butter. <laughs> it tasted like caramel and peanut butter and chocolate. At least, I think that would be perfect. You might have a different perspective. You see my sweet tooth coming out, but it's all perfect. The weather was perfect, like San Diego in the summertime. And even all the animals, everything's perfect, perfect relationship. You don't have to worry about anything eating you or chasing you or biting you or stinging you. Grizzly bears, you're just like big snuggle buddies at that point, right? But there in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all the perfection, God puts an untouchable tree he says, here's one thing. All of this is yours. You can have everything except this one thing. 
Don't eat the fruit from this tree. Now, why would God do that? He gives them all of it. Says, this is all yours for your enjoyment. Take care of it. But there's one thing that you don't get. And why? Because he wanted to remind them that he's God and they're not. That they are still created thing. That everything God has given them is a gift. It's a gift. They didn't plant it. They didn't build it. They didn't grow it. They didn't control it. They're not the ones who made it all happen. They get the blessing of stewarding it, of managing it, of enjoying it, but they are not God. And God was reminding them, they're not God. All they have is a gift. You know, Psalm 24, one reminds us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God owns it and God alone can loan it but we don't control it. And we are wise to remember that. We are wise to remember that this is still true. We're wise to remember that whatever we think we own is actually just on loan to us from God. Now, the cool thing is God invites us to help take care of it. And God is a good giver. He has given us that for our enjoyment. And so God gives us so much and he invites us to partner with him in managing all that he's given to us. And the beautiful news is that means for some of you, you just got a promotion. You didn't realize this before, but you are invited into kingdom management. You are now in management. Congratulations. You get a promo. You didn't get a raise, but you got a promotion. So way to go. Now for some of you, this is a demotion. Because what this means is you are not the CEO of your world or anyone else's. You are not the one in charge. You're not God. God alone holds that throne and he will not share it with anyone. So, we are wise to remember that. Now, you know what happens next in the story. God puts the tree in the middle, has the fruit, says, enjoy everything except this one thing. Adam and Eve, they can't resist. They take a bite, and with one bite, they break the world. And sin has been staining everything ever since that moment. Now, we can blame Adam and Eve, but the reality is, if it were you and me, we'd have done the same thing, and we still do. Adam and Eve were just simply saying, hey, God, you think you know best? Well, maybe we do. We, we want this, and we want what we want, and we're gonna take it, and we think we know better. And friends, you and I do the same thing every day in our lives. We rebel against God, we try to take the throne, we try to act like we're the ones in charge, not him. But you know, for us, because of that, we're kinda like Dorothy. We're not in Eden anymore. And let me tell you, Eden is way better than Kansas. And we've been trying to make our way back to the peace of Eden ever since, but there's only one way back. The Bible is for us our metaphorical yellow brick road, and God laid every brick in that path for us. God gives us his word to show us the way to go, to show us the way to redemption, the way for resurrection life, the way to find new life, full life, forever life in Jesus, his son. And so God has given us his word to steer us and show us and we're wise to live accordingly. We're wise to pursue that path. The Bible shows us who God is. On every page of the Bible, we see that God is for us. He's not against us. That God desires relationship with us. That God desires to save us and not condemn us. And that means that God can be trusted because he's a loving God who wants what's best for us. And each of us, we must decide who we're going to trust. Who we're going to trust for the direction of our lives. 
who we're gonna trust with our future and what direction we're gonna go with it. And who we trust determines if we are going to find joy or disappointment in life. Who we trust will determine whether you are happy or miserable, whether you succeed or you fail, whether you make much of your life or you waste it. So we gotta decide who we're gonna trust. Are we gonna trust the talking heads on TV? Are we gonna steer our lives by the popular opinion of the people? Are we gonna follow the direction of social media or news channels or celebrities? Does that sound wise? No. Maybe we'll just follow the, the desires of our heart. Maybe we'll just go where our hearts lead. Right? That's the common notion. Just, just follow your heart. But the problem with that is that we know that Jeremiah speaks truth when he says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. We know that. We know that our hearts will lead us astray. Our hearts will take us in directions that we never really intended to go. Because our hearts will lead us towards what we want more than what we need. Our hearts are shaped by our emotions in the moment, not always by logic. You know, if we're gonna entrust our lives and our futures to someone, we should probably choose someone who not only wants what is best for us, but who also knows exactly what the best thing for us is and who has the power to make those best things happen for us. And that kind of limits our options to God. God is the only one who is all-knowing, who knows everything. God is the only one who is perfectly loving, who loves us more than we could even love ourselves. And God is the only one who is perfectly all-powerful, who can make things happen, who can change our world and transform us and the situations around us. You know, Psalm 33, 4 tells us that the word of the Lord holds true. It's never false. And we can trust everything God does. He is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust. We can trust the Bible as a source of wisdom for every area of life because God made us as holistic beings. He didn't just create you with a church component, a spiritual component, a family component, a friend component, a work component, a recreation component, a school component. Like, no, these are like different compartments of life. All of it is bound up into who you are. God made you as a holistic being. And he made you to be in relationship with him, to be loved by him, and to love him in return. And so God cares about every part of your life because God created you with all those parts of your life. And so God desires to pour out blessing and joy and peace into every part of your life. There's no part of your life that God does not care about. There's no part of your life that's not spiritual. And so the Bible portrays the crazy radical generosity of God from the first page to the last. We see again and again and again throughout the Old Testament how God takes care of his people, how he blesses them, how he rains food from heaven, how he parts waters to lead them where they need to go, how he stops armies in their path, how he just again and again provides for them, sometimes in seemingly small ways, sometimes in extravagant, miraculous, marvelous ways. And then we flip the page into the New Testament and we see God's greatest provision for us through Jesus. Jesus, who left the beauty and the peace of Eden, the eternal Eden, to come into this world, to come in amongst the mess that we have made as we have chased after the fruit ourselves. Jesus, who, as Anthony said during our communion time today, gave himself willingly as a sacrifice to make up for the penalty that that our rebellion deserves. 
That our rebellion against God deserves death. And Jesus took that death for us so that through him, through trusting in him, we could have life. And he conquered the grave so that we might find life in him. I mean, this is the beautiful, radical generosity of God. God has always taken care of his people and God has always made a way for his people to get back to him. God provides us with the road. But the promises of God always come with a a condition. The promise of God always has a condition to it. That God wants to give you blessing if, if you allow him. God wants to save you if you allow him. God wants relationship with you if you will allow him. I love how Proverbs chapter three shows this to us. It says, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now, how do we combat the deceitfulness of our heart? The way that we would lead ourselves astray? All the corruption that's already in there? Well, we pour good into it. We pour God's word into our hearts so that we can restore our hearts, reform our hearts. And he goes on. It says, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Anybody in here want their life to be satisfying? Doesn't a satisfying life sound good? Well, let me share with you God's economy for a satisfying life. Because God's direction for satisfaction is a little bit different than what we often think. Oftentimes when we pursue satisfaction, we say, man, that looks good. Not like my sweet tooth. I'm like, oh, caramel and chocolate. That looks good. I'm going after that. Too much of that? It's not satisfying anymore when the stomach aches and the cavities come and it's like, you know, pounds add up. It's just, it's, the satisfaction becomes a problem. That's not God's way of doing it. You see, you want it, you get it. No, no, no. God's economy is this. We are most satisfied when God is most glorified in our lives. But God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. You'll find the most satisfaction in your life when you give glory to God. And God will be glorified in your life when you choose to be satisfied in him. It's a beautiful truth. See, friend, if you want lasting, forever kind of satisfaction, pursue God. We, we could talk all day long about how God loves us and desires relationship with, for, relationship with us, how God has surrendered his life on a cross for us, how he wants to restore us. I mean, that's beautiful. But here's the deal. Jesus is not only Savior, he's also Lord. And you must allow him to be Lord in your life, to lead your life. And you must find your satisfaction there, giving glory to God, the glory that he alone is due, the glory that he deserves. Because when we don't do that, we block ourselves to the blessing of God. But we, we get ourselves into trouble that way. So he goes on, he says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Stay loyal to God. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. There's that heart language again. It says, then you'll find favor with both God and people. You'll earn a good reputation. And then we have this very famous part of this passage. Trust in the Lord with, say it with me, all your heart. Not some, not most, but all of it. Don't depend on your own understanding. So often we get ourselves into trouble there. We think we know what's best. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. God, we know what's best. We can can handle that fruit. He goes on, seek his will and say it with me, all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Seek his will, not our own. 
continues on, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Sometimes we get pretty impressed with ourselves, don't we? Until it all falls apart. (laughs) Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, sometimes we block ourselves to the blessings of God. It's like God is trying to bake a blessing for us. Now listen, I don't bake much. That's, That's the department of others in my home. So bear with me on this illustration. But it's like God is trying to bake a blessing for us. And God is saying, hey, we we need to put in some baking soda or baking powder. And we're saying, no, no, we got the baking soda, right? We we, we hand him the wrong thing, right? He's saying, hey, give me the sugar. We're like, ah, the salt looks similar. Use that instead. God's asking for one. He's saying, this is what it needs. We're saying, no, no, I got something else to add. And listen, something's going to come out of the oven, but it ain't going to taste nearly as good when we mess it up. We block ourselves from the blessing of God. God is trying to create something for us. He's saying, just trust me in this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Just go with me on this. Don't fight me on this. So invite God's blessing into your life by trusting him. You know, some of you, you claim to trust God with your forever, but you don't seem willing to trust him with your today. And I get that, because sometimes I'm there too. Like, can I just be honest? Like sometimes it, it's, it's weird, but sometimes it seems so much easier to trust Jesus as the savior of my eternity. But sometimes it's kind of challenging to trust him as the leader of my right now. And I know I'm not alone in that. It, it's as though we want salvation without sacrifice, at least without sacrifice from ourselves. Like Jesus, that's your place. You do the sacrificing. I, I just want the. I just want to be saved. I just want the goods from it. But the problem with that is that's not God's formula. That's not God's economy, right? Because the Christian life is always a resurrection life. That the life that God wants for us, the life of blessing and joy and peace that God has for us, always goes through the cross, not around it. It begins in the grave. And resurrects from there. Which means we got to put our old way of living into the grave. We got to put our old way to death. Like we saw just a moment ago with baptism. We got to put the old way of doing it. The old way of I'm in charge to death. And say all right, God now you're in charge. I surrender to you. And this is a lifetime of journeying towards God. With Jesus. And learning to surrender the old. It's a way of saying all right God I'm going to the cross. It's a place of surrender. I'm going to surrender my will. I'm going to choose yours. I'm going to surrender my glory. I'm going to choose your glory. And when we do that, we invite his blessing into our lives. The proverb continues. When you do that, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. That sounds pretty good, healing and strength. He continues. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good vine. We don't use a lot of barn and vat language in our culture today. Most of us aren't farmers. Not many of you have wineries. I don't know that any of you have wineries. If you do, that's pretty cool. Let's talk, right? I mean, that's cool stuff. So this vat and barn language that he's talking about, this give him the first of your wealth. let Let me boil down what this proverb is getting at. Friend, God does not desire to only save you from hell at the end of your earthly life. God desires to save you from hellish situations throughout the entirety of your life. God doesn't want to just save you at the end. He wants to save you now. He wants to save you from addiction and disappointment, from broken relationships, 
from depression, from anxiety. He wants to save you from all the wreckage that your pride and your anger and your selfishness and your greed will cause in your life. He wants to begin saving you right now from all of that. And God knows that one of the areas where we mess this up the most is with our money. You know, the Bible talks about money over 2,000 times, more than 2,000 verses, over half of what Jesus taught on was about money, wealth, finances, possessions. And why? Because God knows if there's an area that's gonna trip us up, it's that right there. You know, only three out of every 10 people in the US say that they are financially healthy. Three out of 10. That's no different in the church. That means for many of you, you don't feel like you're in a financially healthy spot. You know, the average American is in debt, has little or no savings, spends more than they make, wants to give more generously, but feels unable to do so and worries about their financial future. They're living in financial stress. So friend, let me ask, does your personal financial situation cause you stress or provide you peace? Where are you in that? Because we know when our finances are out of whack, it seems like all areas of life are out of whack. When your finances are messed up, when you got money problems, you got relationship problems. Money is still one of the leading causes of divorce in America. Money problems create issues between siblings and parents and friends. When we have money problems, we have employment problems. Our boss is a jerk. He doesn't pay me what I'm worth. I deserve more. And then we got to get a second job or a third job. And we're working so much just trying to make ends meet. And there's more month left at the end of the paycheck. What do we do? We get these money problems. We can't get all the things we want. When money problems come health problems, ulcers and stress and sleeplessness, anxiety, depression. Man, we go on for days talking about when money problems arise all the other problems. But even when money seems good, that can be bad because money can become our master. When we are doing well with money, then we were worried about how we keep what we have, how we pass it on to the next generation, how we protect it from others who want it. IRS, right? I mean, we just get these days, right? We're always worried about that. What do we do with the money we have? And we fall into the trap of working for our money instead of letting it work for us, of being owned by our stuff instead of owning those things. We're always gotta take care of it, gotta worry about it. So when we don't have enough, we're worried about how to get more. And when we do have enough, we're worried about how to keep it guarded, protected. And the reality is, is enough ever really enough? I mean, nobody ever thinks they have enough. And that's a big part of the problem. And God wants to free us from all of that. God wants us to have peace and health. Let's say God wants you to succeed. God wants you to experience joy and peace and blessing in every area of your life. And that includes your finances. And that doesn't mean God is gonna bless you by making you a millionaire. Sorry to disappoint some of you. But it does mean God wants to bless you with joy and peace that no amount of money can buy. And he has a path for you to do that. See, the Bible provides principles and practices that can help us get financial health and peace in a way that both honors God and brings us a peace of mind. Now, I know Right? I'm not dumb. I know that as soon as a preacher starts talking about money, some of you are like, oh, yeah, here we go again. The church just wants the money. Preacher wants the money. And I tell me that God tells me to give it right. You know, all of a sudden, you know, red flags go up for the cynics and the skeptics. I get that because I've heard some of it that turns me away also. 
But before you go assuming that this is all gonna be about what we want from you, let me just tell you, this series, this message is way more about what we want for you, what God desires for you, what the church desires for you, what I as your preacher want for you. See, the Bible has so much wisdom and we wanna provide you with strategies from God's word to help you attain, maintain, and sustain financial health and peace in your life. We want it to be one less thing you gotta worry about. So in this series, you're gonna hear us say things like money's not evil, that getting out of debt is possible, that it's okay to make money, even lots of it. It's okay to have money, even lots of it, that it's not necessarily a sin to spend your money, even on fun things. It's smart to save, it's good to give, it's intelligent to invest, and you would be wise not to waste your life, but instead to leave a legacy. In fact, coming up at the end of next month, or middle of next month, the Sunday before Thanksgiving on November 20th, we are gonna provide you with a legacy planning seminar. And if you attend this, there's gonna be a light dessert that night. You're gonna hear from our friends at Christian Financial Resources, CFR. CFR is the organization that carries our church loan. They've helped our church out in tremendous ways. And they're a trusted organization. Well, CFR, because we partner with them, they offer this free of charge for us to offer to you free of charge. That if you attend this, you'll get to meet with them. If you attend that seminar, on the back side of that, you'll get to meet with them and set up a will and a trust. Now, if you don't have a will and you don't have a trust, you need one. No matter how old you are. And listen, you might be one of those people like, well, I printed something off the internet. I'm just saying, come to this, all right? That doesn't always hold up. That's not always the best. And if you were to go out and seek this on your own, you're talking thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to do this. This is free. Church, this is our gift to you. We wanna help you out. And you're gonna hear us talk more about that in the days and the weeks to come. We also are providing for every household. There's one per household, not one for every person, because one of the things you need to learn how to do is share. That's one of the ways we mess up our money, is we hoard it, and no, we don't share it. So we're gonna teach you how to share, but we're gonna give every household. Now listen, if you live alone, hey, you don't have to share, it's yours. Um, but we wanna provide every household one of these. It's a book from my buddy Darren Key, who is the CEO of Christian Financial Resources. And this book is meant to be easy to understand, simple concepts, profound wisdom, and a quick read. And in it, he just offers a ton of wisdom, a ton of wisdom. In fact, Darren's going to be here next week. You'll get to hear from him during the service. You'll get a chance to meet him after service. I encourage you, make sure if you're able to be here with us next week, you're gonna wanna hear from Darren. He's got so much wisdom. He's got such a compassionate heart. He just loves the church. He loves people and loves God, and he just wants to help you uh, in all those areas. And so there's one of these at the end of service. We encourage you to make your way to the, uh, through the, right through these center doors. We've got a table out there with these on it. And so here you go. Yeah. Now you don't have to go to the table. That was a bad throw. That's on me. That's on me. So I encourage you to grab that and read chapter one this week. And if you have kids in your home who are elementary age and above, I encourage you to have them read it. 
There's discussion questions at the end of each chapter. Talk through those questions with them. Talk through those questions with a friend, with others in your home, with your spouse, with your small group. Keep the conversation going. It's worth having a conversation on those things. And for those of you joining us online, if you are unable to get here to campus to get one, let us know. You can type it in the chat space or you can call the church office this week. We'll mail one to you. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to be on the quest for financial peace, financial health, and financial freedom. And we're going to follow the wisdom of Proverbs 3. We're going to trust in the Lord with all we have. And we're not going to depend on our own conventional understanding. We're going to trust God's wisdom. We're going to seek his will in all that we do. And we're going to trust that he will show us the path to take. You know, many people, most people, even most people in the church are not on the path to financial health, but rather you're on a path to financial ruin and destruction and stress. Friends, I I want you to assess this week which path you're on and where it's leading you. A couple years ago, my wife, Jen, set out early one wintry morning to go meet some of her gal pal friends for a week-long getaway. And so she set out to, to go meet her friends, and I went to a meeting. And uh, when I came out of my meeting a couple hours later, I was just checking in on her. I called her up because I was concerned the weather was bad. It was a cold day and not great driving conditions. So I called her up to see how she's doing. She said, oh, I'm doing great. I just passed the camp where her friends work. And I said, I hope you didn't. <laughs> and she said, husbands know, right? When your wife uses your name with a certain tone, you just know, like Andrew, stop, by the way, everybody calls me Fitz. My wife calls me Andrew. It's my birthday. Andrew, don't do that because I've been known to joke around a little bit in the home. Like, to, to, oh, you're going the wrong way when really they're not, you know, just mess with people. Unfortunately, on this particular occasion, I was dead serious. I was like, oh, babe, please. She's like, don't do that to me. I left for plenty of time, but it's, you know, it's bad weather and I got to get where I'm at. Don't mess with me today. I don't need that. I'm like, Sweetie, so I opened up my phone and I looked, you know, we have the share your location app and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, we got to do a little course correction here. Actually, we got to do a pretty major course correction here. You're going the, like, just you're going the wrong way. And you know what happens? Like you type in an address to your map app, you put in the street address, but you're not looking and it does the right street address for the wrong city. And if you're in a big hurry and you're worried about the snowstorm and everything else and getting where you're going, and it was an honest mistake, but I had to like help her navigate from where she was to where she needed to be, and there was no easy road to get there. There were back roads and bad roads and windy roads and snow-packed roads, and man, I was glad she'd given herself plenty of time because she ate up all of it getting to where she needed to be. But finally, she got to the place. She met up with her gal pals. They had a great weekend away or a week away. It was a great thing. And the destination and the people she was with made the treacherous, hectic journey worth it. And I learned not to tease as much along the way. Now, friends, some of you, you're on the wrong path. You need a little course correction. And I wish I could tell you that, man, the course correction, you jump onto the path that God has for you to bring you blessing, joy, and peace in every area of your life, including finances. I wish I could tell you, man, that's an easy journey. That, like, you jump in on God's path, it's always, it's always good, smooth, and easy, but so often it's not. 
In fact, often it feels steeper, it's more challenging, but it's along that path that we experience joy, that we experience growth. It's along that path that we see things that we never would have seen before. And let me tell you, the destination is so much better and it's so worth it. Friend, don't opt for the easy road to the wrong destination. Don't do that with any area of your life. Don't do that with your finances. Certainly don't do that with your salvation. Choose Jesus, choose his wisdom for every area of your life. So here's your first step in the quest. Throughout each chapter, Darren outlines several tips, several things, a little bit of homework. I just wanna pick up on one of the things he says. This week, I want to encourage you, read chapter one and then do this. Make a list of all that God has entrusted to you. Because if you're gonna be a manager in God's kingdom, you gotta know what you're managing. So write it down, your accounts, your possessions, your big stuff. And I'm gonna encourage you to actually go a little bit beyond what Darren does. I want you to include your relationships in there. I want you to include your skills, your abilities, your talents, your treasures. And then to remind ourselves that it's all on loan from us, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. God, help me trust you with all I have because it's all yours anyway. I want you to pray that prayer every day. As you begin your day, God, help me trust you with everything I have. Help me trust you with my work day to day. God, help me trust you with my relationships. God, help me trust you with my monies. Help me trust you with my possessions. Help me trust you with my car. God, help me trust you with all of it. Because it's just on loan. It's yours. So God, help me trust you and honor you. To bring glory to your name, not mine. You know, my buddy Jeff, chairman of our elder team, has often reminded me, Fitz, it's good to trust, but make sure you always verify. Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. It's, it's awesome wisdom. I do better when I listen to him. So I want to encourage you. Trust, but verify. Trust what I'm telling you, but put it to the test. Check it out for yourselves. Read through these passages. Look into God's word. I want to encourage you to trust what the Bible says, but to verify it for yourself. Put biblical wisdom into practice in your life in this series and just see if it isn't true. And here's what I can guarantee you. When you do that, when you begin to put biblical principle into practice in your life, you will find hope, you'll find joy, you'll find freedom, you'll find the peace that God wants to bless you with. And you'll find every time that God's word proves true and that God is always true to his word. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God of truth, that you're a God of wisdom, that you're the God who owns it all and you control it all. And you want to bless us. And you invite us into the process of helping to manage it and take care of it. God, what an honor. And we thank you that you're a God who is worthy of our trust, a God who loves us so much and you want what's best for us. Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to see that that's true and the courage to live our lives in response to that truth. God, help us to trust your word, to begin to put it into practice, to trust you with everything we have. God, we thank you for sharing it with us. And most of all, we thank you for sharing new life with us that you invite us through your radical generosity to know you as Savior, to know you as Lord, as leader. 
and to know the beautiful freedom that we have, the joy of living in relationship with you. So God, we surrender it to you for your glory and yours alone. Amen.